Welcome to Saints and Sisters, a conversational podcast between sisters about faith, moral compass, and the role that God plays in our lives. Follow along as we explore these themes through discussions of books and literature, scripture, and using the current headlines as guideposts. For today's episode, we are reading Rediscover Catholicism by Matthew Kelly. It was written in 2002, and it is, I would say, kind of a treatise for us to re-examine the roots of Catholicism and how modern-day Catholics can apply the things that are good about Catholicism to overtake the bad. What do you think? Um, I requested my free mass journal, so I feel like that's progress. <laughs> On page uh, 198 or 199, when um, you can request a free mass journal, and you just pay $5.95 shipping, I was like, that is one concrete step I can take towards my faith. <laughs> Are you going to go to Mass to use your Mass journal? Well, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, okay, here's what it's like. You know Asking for like, a friend. <laughs> <laughs> when you're like, I really need to start working out, but if I just had the right gear, so then you go and buy the new shoes and you get the... So this is what I'm doing. I know I need to go to mass. So I bought my free mass journal. And then once I get my journal, it'll be like, now I can go to mass. No, but the um, I liked, um, I mean, that's sort of jumping in the middle. But the thing I liked about um, when he was talking about, when Kelly's talking about mass, saying like going there with a purpose, like, um, asking God in the quiet of your heart, show me the way in this mass that I can become a better version of myself this week instead of, you know, wanting to find all the answers or wait for that feeling or for all of my conflicts to be resolved. Just asking, like, what do I need to do this week? I really liked from the very beginning how he wasn't trying to brush over anything, how he was, you know, very clearly saying, like, there are some horrible things that have happened within the church, but here are some of the really amazing things that have happened because of the church and because of the, like the way that it was founded. I didn't think, I mean, I just hadn't really thought about before. I mean, who knows? It might've evolved. Obviously the education was available to more than just the nobility, but I feel like that's a pretty important thing to not over overlook. Um, but perhaps we should back up because, um, I was traumatized by the introduction. Because- oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> Can so we just he stop and take started, a moment? When that first started, I was like flipping back to the beginning saying, when was this written? Because this is like Nostradamus level stuff. <laughs> I don't know. Can we even read sections of it without it being copyright infringement? Uh, um, basically it's talking about how like a turn on the radio one day to learn that like a strange flu has happened. It's the never CDC been seen is trying to investigate and you don't really think about it. You come home, people are dying every day and then it's starting to spread everywhere and then it's crossing borders and then Europe is closing their borders to travel. And then, and then it was like, and then they find out that your child is the only person who can save them. I'm going to be like, peace out. Sorry, everybody. Y'all yeah. got to die. <laughs> I would not sacrifice my child. We need all of your child's blood. I was like, who, what? I know. (laughs) What is going on here? I was like, Mandy, what is this book? (laughs) 
I only have one. <laughs> I'd be like, and in the book it was saying, it's our only child. No, I'd be like, go ask my sister. <laughs> <laughs> we have the same DNA. It would probably be fine. It's close enough. Oh, yeah. So I was like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. So anyway. Did you remember that part, Mandy? I did not. So as I started reading it, it was definitely a different, like I <laughs> perceived it differently this time that I was like, whoa. But what did you think about the, like once it gets to the purpose or the point of it, as far as that, that great sacrifice and then people just kind of disregard, like acknowledging it. Or do you remember that part or were you just still stuck on that? No, no. Yeah. I mean, I like, I, I get it, but it was like one of those where I was like, oh, that's cheesy. Like you took me on this giant emotional roller coaster and I was like, now imagine if you were Mary and that was your child. And like that part fell flat for me. They were trying to make it sound like, now imagine, put yourself in this position right now. Mary still knows what's going on and whether or not her son's being respected from heaven. She's a great intercessor. Yeah, she's sitting in that picture in our hallway watching us. Remember at mom's house? Who has that now? I do. Amanda, who do you think? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> now, wait a second. Mandy, why did you took the picture of Barry? I didn't take it. Mom gave it to me. When? That's what you get when you're the only kid that goes to church. Yeah. You get the cool things. <laughs> <laughs> How long ago was that? Uh, Four kids ago. <laughs> I feel like no, mom, the worst students so- ever. Sure, it was replaced with mom wanted an image called the Madonna of the Streets, so I found one for her. And yeah, it's isn't like an heirloom version. It was just yeah, <laughs> and got it framed. It looks very nice. It's a good image. I'm teasing you. I'm teasing. I did buy her one at an estate sale, though. It's exactly like the one that Manda used to have. That Manda has now. Oh wow! But that might be a point of conversation in the future of the role of Mary in the church still. And as Queen of Heaven, she intercedes. She still does a lot. Like there's been apparitions throughout time periods, Lourdes and France and Guadalupe, and so I think that's something we can revisit later. Yeah, like so. Just so you know, you're misunderstanding a giant chunk of catechism. <laughs> see, I'm so a you failure were, again. You were asking um, if we could see past the trauma of like our child going to a blood drive gone wrong to no. the <laughs> purpose of, <laughs> and I did get, it was, I mean, that last paragraph when it's like, you know, would you stand up and say, excuse me, the amazing life you have, my son died so you could have that life. I mean, I definitely understood. It was just like, whoa. I mean, obviously if I would have read this a year ago, I would have been like, well, that's crazy. <laughs> but this time it's like, but I, so I liked the book is sort of an entry point to like really thinking about it because I don't think, I mean, the last book we read, it didn't really cause me to consider very much except, you know, um, God giving you the benefit of the doubt. This one, I feel like, like Sarah said, <laughs> um, does present up front, you know, that the church has had its issues. And, but when he says the people of today believe that Christians and Catholics in particular are as much a part of this culture of appearance and deception as anyone else. There's a harsh truth that needs to be faced, but, you know, going back to like, that doesn't mean that there still isn't truth in the Catholic faith, you know, even though yes, it has had its um, issues and some very serious issues, but to live an authentic life um, and to follow the Catholic faith is to separate it from 
you know, the issues in the world and just get back to the authentic faith, like the core of the Catholic church doing what is good. Like he says, um, doing what is good, true and noble in the midst of, and in spite of the modern climate. Well, I think also I liked how it was saying how in general, the Catholic church has a bad like reputation in most circles, or I don't know if it's a bad reputation or you're in conversation with other people and they start talking about the Catholic church without understanding that you're Catholic. And I think that just starting to bring attention back to all the good things that it does, because like Catholic charities in general is a really good organization. Our local teen shelter, the overnight emergency teen shelter is run by Catholic charities. And I think, you know, that is like a a soft place to land for a lot of kids who their issues of sexuality or whatever are outside of what the Catholic church would say as quote unquote, okay. And they are not like treated as unwelcome. So I feel like there is a lot of dignity that they give to people, but which that is an alignment. Like how do we start? Yeah. I feel like that's like where the part where they went astray was in not taking like the, obviously the very higher ups, not taking responsibility for, all of the priests that did a horrible thing, but the church in general does a lot of good things still. Well, and a lot of it you have to look at when people live in alignment with the church teachings versus when they're failing with their alignment, because obviously the priests or, you know, the priests who committed those crimes were not modeling the faith. They weren't demonstrating the virtue either. I was just going to say, so I think this book is talking a lot about how, if you really connect with the faith and allow it to transform your life and to just focus on um, becoming well, he refers to it as the best version of yourself, but really kind of discovering over time who God created you to be and your role and, and working on virtue, then that kind of aligns with everything as far as what would the church look like? What would society look like with that influence of Catholics who are boldly living their faith? I think that's a big part of his message as well. I really liked when when he said, if 67 million Catholics in the United States stepped up a notch, something incredible would happen. Because I feel like that's kind of part of what brought me all back to this is that there, it's not like I'm like trying to decide like what church do I want to go to? I'm just deciding, do I want to be Catholic or do I want to be anything at all? Like it's not really ever been between finding a church that I felt better in. It was just deciding whether or not I wanted to be part of the church period. And I feel like part of it was that I kept thinking, well, if there's all these things about it that I don't agree with, what if I became an active part of it again and you can help change the things that you don't agree with? But I guess that's where all the questions come in. It's like, are the things that I would hope to change, are they ever going to change? And then if you go back to um, like the identity of the church and the mission of the church, um, like the way he starts out chapter four with... um, Christ did not entrust the church with a social, political, or economic mission, but with a mission that is primarily spiritual. So it's just, you know, as simple as proclaiming the gospel. But then at the same time, as we live out this mission, it can and should impact the social, political, and economic order of the societies in which we live, indeed, every aspect of our lives. Also kind of, I mean, I think that that struck me because a lot of my struggle right now with the Catholic Church is the political, social uh, part of it. And so is it possible then to just 
think about it as, you know, purely spiritual, primarily spiritual. I mean, because it's also asking you to live it out in every aspect of your life. So in a way, you can't separate the two, but it made me think there was a little opening if you just go at it from a purely spiritual sense. Well, I think that's always the starting. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think we talked about this a little bit in the last episode, but I really think the first step is trying to better understand God um, through the lens of the Catholic faith to understand Jesus. Um, Just because Jesus um, points us towards the father demonstrate. And I feel like we had a really good dad who is a model for us of the love of God, the father. So we have that image, but then within the gospels, when we think about the Trinity of father, son, Holy spirit, then Jesus demonstrates in a way that's easy for us to understand because we see the human interactions Um, But he also talks about how he is reflecting the Father. And so it really helps us understand God the Father as well. Um, But I think if like diving deep into the Gospels, and that was when he talks about the Bible, that was the starting point that he recommends. And that is helpful just because it gives a good sense of God's love for us and kind of what God is inviting us to. So I think it's really helpful to start there, just having a better understanding of God and God's love for you and what he's inviting you to, what his dreams are for you. And you've talked before about the sense of belonging. And, um, and so I think that all ties together. And yeah, so I think it's a good starting point to be thinking about going to mass and with his recommendations of reading the readings for that mass prior to going to mass, that can help you to then kind of have a sense of, um, that can help you to have a sense Like what, like already thinking about the readings. And then when you hear it, like if your mind wanders for a moment, then you still kind of already know what they were about. And then you can listen to the homily and often the homily helps to give that point of what you would write in your mass journal of the one, like the implication for your life for that week. So I made a note on that page that said, (laughs) ask Mandy where I can get the readings for the next week. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, So there's actually... You just like steal a missile from the pew and take it home with you or? <laughs> yeah. So there's actually a website that's the U.S. US um, conference. It's, and I can't remember, like it's conference of Catholic bishops. I think that's what it is, but it's USCCB. Oh, yeah. And they have like, yeah. right when you go onto their website, um, USCCB.org, then it pops right up. There's a calendar that says daily readings. And so you just click on the day of the week and the readings are right there. So it's really convenient. Um, So that's where I typically go if I'm looking virtually for the daily readings. So usccb.org. See, I think if I could approach it like that, you know, looking at what, looking at the readings, reading them through, and then asking, you know, that journal question of, you know, what would you have me do this week? So it's not like it has to be like, send me a sign for the rest of my life, you know, just what would you have me do this week? And then, cause I feel like too, that would also, I like the way he set up, you know, just like the process of going to mass rather than just like go to church, but like he broke it out and just like going to mass with intention. I think especially when you're raised in the church or um, whatever faith tradition you're raised in, when you just go to church with your parents and you're focused more on just being good, sitting, I feel like then as an adult, you almost have to relearn it. Yeah. And I had mentioned um, at one point to you too, because 
there was one conversation, not one that we're recording, but where you two had mentioned that you were thinking that at some point you would need to go to mass just on your own without your kids <laughs> to be able to focus. And I had mentioned that it would be good to really understand what was happening during mass. And the resource that I would recommend is called Alteration from Ascension uh Ascension Press. And they it's a program. And so with if you order the DVDs, it's fairly expensive. But I saw how they have digital access of the videos. That's $19.99. And um, they have their, I think it's their session five. But Father Mike Schmitz just really walks through each step of the Mass explaining. So the steps, different parts of Mass would be familiar. And that's what Sarah had mentioned. Like, I remember what Mass is like or what to expect. But it's understanding what that actually means. And it's not something that I think was explained to us growing up, or there might have been pieces that were explained, but that we just don't necessarily remember over time. But I think in general, there were a lot of aspects that I didn't realize. So even just the significance of what it means at the different points of mass, when um, I think it's four different times the priest says, peace be with you. And so he explains the significance behind that phrase and what it means and talking about how it's entering into dangerous territory. And he, but yeah, just every different piece of the mass he talks about in depth. This is what it is. This is what's happening. So I think that would be helpful as far as when Sarah's talked before about wondering if people are just faking it. And I know um, Matthew Kelly in this book talked about how a lot of people in mass are disengaged, which I think would align with um, Sarah's thought of, you know, are different yeah. people just fake. So I think the more that you understand what the significance of what's happening, then it is easier to stay engaged and to better understand or better appreciate the beauty of like throughout history, what's happening and why, and what's the significance and meaning. So that might be a good video to watch. It seems like it's, I can't remember how long it is, but, and there's other um, clips that go along with that series for that 1999. And I haven't watched it recently enough to say what I'll, I would recommend, but some of the clips are focusing on people often as teens, a lot of the stories on there, as teens, they didn't necessarily believe in God's true presence in the Eucharist. And I can't remember, I think at least one of you has indicated that you don't necessarily believe that the Eucharist is actually Jesus, body, blood, soul, and divinity, not just a symbol. So that's a game changer as well. Like what you believe about the Eucharist, if you believe in the true presence, that's a game changer. So I think that video gives some good points to consider related to the Eucharist. And I would say those are two key things as far as understanding what's happening, but also understanding more deeply the Eucharist. And within that, then Matthew Kelly's idea of reading the readings and then having it applied to your daily life and taking one small step. I think that that, that suggestion really helps with the liturgy of the word, the you know that part of the Mass. And then understanding the Eucharist really helps with the liturgy of the Eucharist to understand that significance there. So I know that the one thing that I liked that he did was that he lined out what order you should do the Bible in or read to read those gospels to get yeah. to familiarize yourself. And I liked that you and I, I'm sure that you've continued with it, even though I didn't reading through the Bible. Yeah. The Bible order that was recommended. I mean, it's, it's not that I'm not going to continue with it. I just stopped doing it every day. And so I need to get back into the habit of doing it every day. But I really liked that having like some sense of like purpose and assignment instead of just trying to like read through the order that that was put in. It was like with a purpose of seeing in context why those books fit together. Yeah. And I think um, I am appreciating that better now since I have been reading the Gospels and have that sense of 
the New Testament, then I think it's easier to go back and dig deeper into the Old Testament. And I was thinking about that as well when I, because I have um, been following along with that. And I thought about you and how I think that would have been a hard entry point for me to start with the Old Testament. And even now there's layers of it that I, I'm going to take a class this fall. Focusing I on the Old I Testament. like the Old Testament better. You do? Yeah. Like, even though there's like a lot of, like, it's harsh, <laughs> I feel like it's a lot more, maybe not like concrete, because I feel like there's a lot that is supposed to be kind of allegory, but I feel like it's just more harsh. Maybe I'm just a harsh person. <laughs> yeah. But I like the Old Testament. Yeah, and I, I'm looking forward to taking a class this fall just to better understand the deeper meaning of some of what's happening in the Old Testament. Um, but I was enjoying it this time. Are you but taking I do, a class? Yeah, I'm just taking probably just one oh. in the fall and then I'll take a break since <laughs> then I'll have a baby in the middle of the next semester. <laughs> Are you doing the Master's in Divinity program? Uh, it's not. It, it's a Master's in Theology, but I... So this fall term will be more about like discerning, okay, is this something for a someday or a kind of see if I do enjoy the classes? <laughs> Wait, so I'm going to take just the one class and then kind of go from there to see. But I'm excited because it will, um, that I might change my expectation to just take class from time to time because I don't even know that I'd be able to finish in a seven year period, which is what they require. So might just be from time to time I take a class. But anyway, the purpose of that, just I'm looking forward to better understand the Old Testament. But I do think it's good to start with the New Testament when thinking about just really getting to know Jesus and how he interacted with people. And as I was mentioning, how then that reflects how reflects God the Father as well. So I think that's a good but I didn't start with the New Testament. I know, because you, yeah, because with the oh. Bible timeline. You I was like, uh, I don't have them backwards. Yeah. No, so are you? Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, we're talking about like how Matthew Kelly and a lot of other people do too. They recommend starting with the Gospels. But then with the Bible timeline, oh, yeah. it's great because it lets you know kind of that whole narrative of salvation history and how the Old Testament and the New Testament fit together and how it's that ongoing narrative building up to Jesus. So. That's really good context to have. What is this timeline of which you speak? So Trey, that Bible we were telling you about. Did you end up getting the adventure, the adventure Bible? What's it called? The Great Adventure no. Bible. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, um, there's a man named Jeff. I think his last name's pronounced Cavens or Ka- I can't remember. I can't remember how it's pronounced, but he is really well known for knowing the Bible well and being able to explain it to people so that it makes sense. So he takes the books of the Bible that are narrative Bibles, but then also shows some that are kind of um, supplementary to those main ones. And then he has kind of a 90 day plan of if you read these different chapters from these different books, then you'll get the full sense of salvation history. And there's different explanations along the way to show the plan for salvation and how it moves from a couple, Adam and Eve, to then kind of showing how that progresses throughout time and history to reach the time of Jesus that it's for everyone the salvation, but just showing the way that God interacts with his people and, but also kind of showing really well human nature of often wandering (laughs) and um, just saying about like God's faithfulness, but then people aren't necessarily faithful in response, but God still reaches out and tries to connect with people. And so that's a good resource to understand the bigger picture of the Bible and how things fit together. Okay. Back to the meat of the story. So what do you think, like, what was your main takeaway from it, Sarah? Like, did it give you any, like, 
good. There's a lot about this that I still want to consider. There's a lot I'm still not sure if I believe, but I think I also need to kind of decide whether or not I want to make peace with the fact that there might be parts that I never truly believe and if that's okay or not. And if it's okay with Mandy. <laughs> oh, stop. <laughs> no, I, I don't even mean, I don't even mean like, um, I don't even mean like sociopolitical things. I mean, like, what if I never believe that there's heaven because I don't fully know, like, is that's, that might be okay. There's a lot of people who have to just get comfortable with the fact that they don't know and they'll never know until they're dead <clears throat> at that point. If it doesn't exist, it's a moot point anyway, because you won't know because you're dead. And if it does exist, then that's great. And you'll know and you'll be dead. So Sarah, so I think I have to kind of come to that point where I finally figure out does the all the good stuff and the comfort it can bring outweigh the bad stuff? And will the bad stuff change over time? So Sarah has hope and I have a mass journal. We're <laughs> <laughs> making progress. <laughs> I think um, they're starting to do more like mass, but they do it by reservation. So I might go in a mask the next Sunday that we have that we're home. We had mass for like, I think they opened it back up um, with, with distancing, you know, in the pews. Cause the uh, St. Pat's is a huge, uh, it's a pretty big space. So like they, they were doing it also like certain number of people, but then they just had to shut it back down because uh, apparently people in the state do not know how to just go and go home. Yeah. Or no, they like in the state in general. So the church said, well, we're going to go back to YouTube mass for now because there's been too many uh, consecutive days of positive cases. I'm kind of surprised that the Catholic Church in Union County kept going. Did they stop once you guys got the 300 something cases? We didn't stop, but it went back to the... um the phase one where only 25 people or less and having social distancing and basically, and now statewide, there's the requirement for masks in any public space, but it's basically that the pews right after mass are sanitized. And like, there's the distance as far as people not sitting next to each other. And yeah. What are we doing next? So there was uh, the one where I can't remember if you were talking to Stella or not, but I was telling Sherry, there's this one, video series called alteration from ascension presents yeah i wrote it down they have um i think that would be a good next step and i could um i think it has like five different sessions but like i said i'm not sure that we would necessarily watch every session the main one that i was thinking would be good is when he walks through the mass and so that's i can't remember how long it is if it's like an hour or 90 minutes but kind of walks through so like our assignment is to watch the mass one and go to mass and report back Sherry's eyes. Is this the same priest that you sent us the video about the difference between Christian and Catholic? Yeah, it's that priest. He's so attractive. (laughs) (laughs) He's just not that into you, Sherry. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, he kind of like looks like the the priest on Fleabag. Oh, God. (laughs) What's Fleabag? (gasps) Mandy, you can't watch it. You would actually probably like it because he does. He, yeah, you would probably like it. Season two, watch season two of Fleabag on Netflix. I love season one too. I love them both, but season two is what we're talking about. Don't watch it with two your seasons. Kids. It's probably the best comedy writing ever. It's it's irreverent and there's some like tender sadness, but season two, hot priest. <laughs> you guys. <laughs> For reals. It's so good. Yeah. 
Okay. But the session that I want you to watch for sure is session five, the whys behind the what's. There's another, I'll look to see, because there are a couple of other ones that I think would be good. I, um, but I just can't remember for sure all of them. But I'll say like a few of them that you should watch. And then maybe I'll, maybe I'll view it again and let you know the other ones. But the main one was the session five, the whys behind the what's. Okay. Sounds good. And we'll Thanks go to Matt. for listening. <laughs> Join us next week as we report back. After our first time at Mass in a long, long, long time. Time.